you are an illegal in your own home country if you decide not to take an abortion painted, not working, terrible side effects causing so-called vaccine, which is, I would rather call a gene therapy or whatever you could call it. This is John Henry Weston for LifeSite News, bringing you breaking news from what's happening in Austria right from the ground. We have Alexander Chugol with us, the famous Pachamama destroyer who has such a heart for his homeland, which is really being ripped apart. Uh, Alexander, maybe you can tell us now, because we have seen just the most unbelievable news. You've put out a few videos over the past couple of days begging for help for Austria, very much like we saw with Australia when things started to go absolutely nuts there. We've seen reports of huge fines um, for Austrians who are refusing the abortion-tainted vaccine, even jail terms for those refusing. If you can get us to the bottom of what's happening so we know. So to put it in a nutshell, the problem we face right now is a huge one. Um, Our government decided to make it illegal to stay or live in Austria as a non-vaccinated person um, starting from the 1st of February and fining people who don't get themselves vaccinated with, as you rightly say, abortion-tainted vaccines, so-called vaccines, from the 15th of March. So between the 1st of February and the 15th of March, will be the last one and a half months where you will be able to make your life legal here by getting this unmoral vaccine. Um, It's a little bit hard to tell what exactly they're going to do afterwards, as we right now have tons of different news, but one thing is already fixed. We already know that if you decide not to get yourself vaccinated, you're not allowed to work anymore, you're not allowed to go anywhere. It's like a total lockdown for you, and you have to pay... 200 euros a month as a kind of um, tax, more, I, I call it a tax, but it's a, it's a fee you pay for not being vaccinated. If you decide to live a normal life as an unvaccinated person, so to go to work and to meet your family, then you can be fined 3,600 euros, up to 3,600 euros every time they catch you, whatever this means. So this could, in theory, mean that they catch you on your way to your family and catch you on the way back from your family as well. And you would have to pay both fines. So this obviously allows the government to be very harsh on us. And next to this, we see also a change in law, which allows us, which allows in the, in the, in the, um, in the close future to, um, um, uh, law us to make a way longer imprisonment for contempt, I think it's called, than in the past. So in the past it was as a maximum of six, uh, six weeks. And now they raise this and say that they will now introduce a maximum of one year, of one year. So what does this mean? This means if we uh, count one and one together, that if you do not get yourself vaccinated, you're an illegal person, you're not allowed to uh, work anymore, you're in a full lockdown, and they can also track you, go with police to your place and things like this. And other legal consequences, we don't know what they might be because our Minister for Constitution, Caroline Edstadler, just said, well, this will have lots of other legal consequences I can't talk about yet because we don't know yet. And if you decide to resist it, they will fine you with um, thousands of euros. And just to give you um, a scale, the average net income of an average Austrian 
here is a little bit more than 1,500 euros. So 3,600 euros is more than double the net income of a month. So if they find you this, let's say once or twice, the, the average family has to sell something or has to really completely change their life, they can't afford this. And yes, in the future, we will definitely see people being put into prison here. There's an addition to this. They already said that people who go to prison as, an, as unvaccinated cannot go to the same prisons as the vaccinated. So we already see this Australian thing here as well, that they will erect special camps, special houses, special arrest cells for people like me, for example. To give you a few numbers uh, so that you can see what kind of attack this is, in Austria, about one third of the population is still not vaccinated. So one third is one of the highest number in Europe. So Austria is used as an example to break the mind of the people and to break them psychologically, to use us as lab rats and to introduce forced vaccinations all around the European Union, all around Europe as well. If we see right now how the British jump up and down and Boris Johnson is already quite insecure, what he thinks about the uh, vaccine mandate and so on. That's, that's what's happening right now. What do we see on the ground? We see the biggest demonstrations ever seen in, in Austria since the Second World War, I think. I, I did some research. I didn't find any demonstration with higher numbers than the ones right now. Hundreds of thousands of people. And just remember, in Austria, we only have less than 9 million inhabitants. We are tiny. If you look at the city of New York, in the city of New York, more of the people live than in all of Austria. And, they, but, and so they really go after us. And... Um, so there were a few scandals going on. The huge protests and so on led to lots of pressure for the politicians. And under this pressure, also a few other things came up. So Sebastian Kurz, the former chancellor, had to step down. He installed a new chancellor, Alexander Scheidenberg. Alexander Scheidenberg was the one introducing the vaccine mandates. And then he had to step down as well because of the scandal. I don't know if you followed the whole thing in the United Kingdom where Boris Johnson gave a Christmas party during the lockdown. Same thing happened here. They held a charity event uh, while everyone was in full lockdown and drank champagne uh, until the middle of the night. And obviously the huge pressure from the streets. So he had to step down as well. And now we, he saw in, within two months already our third chancellor, um, Karl Nehammer, Karl Nehammer, former head of the police, uh, minister of for interior, um, known for breaking our constitution a few times, our constitutional court, had to, um, he was fought in the Constitution Court that he lost all the cases. Our government broke the Constitution in one and a half years, more than 30 times, 30 times. And, and um, now we had to our last Christmas, if they would win, where we can still meet our families in Austria, if we decide not to get ourselves vaccinated with a vaccine, which not only is invented and tested through the help of, of killing innocent babies in the womb of the mother, so through aborted ba with aborted babies, but also some of them even contain host cell DNA and host cell proteins of aborted babies. So just to give you an insight, this is, this is so terrible. The European emergency admission for the Johnson & Johnson vaccine has this paragraph where it says, and, and I quote, um, you, you can find up to 0.15 micrograms of host cell proteins and host cell DNA in the, in the vaccine, in each dose of the vaccine. And the paragraph above it, it says from which cell line of aborted babies it comes. And there's this lady from Canada, Laura Klassen. I think she's an evangelical, but she did this very good research on those cell lines. 
and explained very well uh, why, first of all, this whole nonsense, they always say, well, it was only one child, only killed in the 60s, only one. First of all, we are Catholics. Only one is one, one too much. So that's not the thing we count here. And second of all, he exp she explains very well why this host cell, this, this, this cell lines need hundreds of babies to be killed, sometimes even thousands of babies to be killed. This is the thing we see right now. The outrage is huge, but there's a reason why they introduced this in Austria. And in my eyes, I can explain this to you also very well. In the Austrian, um, um, la as last year, the Austrian law was changed and they introduced a new registry um, that it's called the, the vaccine registry. And it's not part of your health data. It's part of your passport data. The interesting thing about this is you, one has to know that the health data in Austria is up, to, it, it is up to you as an Austrian to decide whether you want other people to see and look into your health data or not. Whereas the passport data is obviously visible for everyone working for the state. So they attach the vaccine registry to the passport data. And so when they started vaccinating people, they from beginning introduced, therefore, this new kind of digital identity thinking that it is now your health status is now connected to your normal details. So where you live, who, what's your name is and so on. And therefore our state, which is a huge difference to all the other states around us, which do not have this in the same way, knows exactly who is unvaccinated, who is vaccinated. It's unbelievable. One of the things we had a question about, because things are happening so fast in Austria right now, we wanted to get some clarity because it's very hard to follow what's going on. We've heard of fines of $200, uh, 200 euros, 2,000 euros, 3,600 euros. Uh, and then what laws are actually passed and what might they be sort of suggesting is coming out perhaps to scare people into taking the vaccines? We know that the first law which they will now implement will have 200 euros per month for staying at home and just paying your, you know, there's this mafia tax. You normally, if you live in a mafia controlled thing, you pay the Schutzsteuer. It's called in German, so the protection tax. And it's kind of the same. And if you do anything against the system, that's 3,600 euros. That's what we know now. That's what they already published. Then we know that they will change the law in order to make imprisonment for contempt possible up to a year. That's what we already know as well. And we know from our Ministry of Constitution for Constitution, um, and I want to quote her here because I, I, I did a screenshot of this quote so that I can bring it here on the show. I quote her, Caroline Edstadler, two days ago in one of the main newspapers of Austria, the Kronenzeitung. With the introduction of the vaccine mandate, it is actually against the law to live in Austria without being vaccinated. This will also lead to further consequences, end quote. So she already says what we all talked about. It was a conspiracy theory half a year ago, but as you know, as we all know, quite a lot of conspiracy theories come true, unfortunately, right now. And one of them is this one. You are an illegal in your own home country if you decide not to take an abortion-painted, not-working, terrible side effects causing so-called vaccine, which is, I would rather call a gene therapy or whatever you could call it. This is outrageous. And you see that this is really a war being led against the humans living here in Austria in order to break them and in order to need us to use this example 
to pressure all the others around to do exactly the same. When did the mandate itself pass? I mean, it's, it's impossible. It's hard, so bit difficult to find information. But when did that exactly pass? The law was on the 19th of November. It was on the 19th of November said that there will be such a law. Then immediately afterwards, they created the text. Then they sent it through the constitutional um, Ausschuss. I, unfortunately, I don't know the word, but the constitutional group in parliament and, and they said they accepted it, except one party, except the Freedom Party. They are right now doing a very good fight. So they are the ones uh, who fight against this, but all the others accepted it. And so um, now it went through, uh, it, it, I think it goes through Parliament now, but it's already accepted. That's the problem. So all the main parties already accepted it. So it can be implemented now on the 1st of January, um, um, but they decided to implement it on the 1st of February. But it's already through. So it's already through. All the parties said yes. And very interesting, um, the Constitutional Court is seems to be, I'm not allowed to say anything like this because then they could tell me that I, uh, that, I that it's just my own idea. But the Constitutional Court is very clearly and very visibly in favor of this whole idea. As we saw them, whenever they, they said, and as I told you, 30 times our government broke the Constitution. And whenever the Constitutional Court had to uh, make a judgment and say, well, they, you broke the constitution. They provided a little explanation text that if you want to introduce a rule like this, please use those terms because then we do not have to stop that. So it's very clear where this whole thing leads to, you know. You have a lot of demonstrations going on right now. Uh, one of the parties is actually there advocating with you for freedom. Um, what have you seen in terms of reaction to the demonstrations, any movement from them or anything like that? I will now tell you two very beautiful aspects of the demonstrations. First of all, um, I go to every demonstration and I'm, I'm not talking right now in order to, do, uh, to uh, make advertisement for the demonstrations, but rather to give you a clear image. And I promise you, if I would now invite you and you come to the next demonstration, you would say the same as I said right now. If you go to the demonstration, you see really a whole uh, a kind of image of the, of, the, of the people living in Austria. So you see workers, employees, employers, um, 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 people who own uh, the owners of, of, of bigger estates and so on. You see lawyers, doctors, um, and so on. You see really everyone, lots of politicians, obviously, except a few I saw from some uh, as lower politicians of other parties. It was only the Freedom Party present there and so on. So you see everyone. That's really beautiful. It's also a very peaceful protest, even though you always see that they come, you know, agent provocateur come and try to get a little bit of fighting inside. It doesn't really work. It's a very freedom-loving protest. Very, very good. And now comes the way more beautiful aspect. If you know the Austrian history a little bit, you will know that in Austria we had lots of rosary wars, as you know. Um, we had not only the first siege of Vienna, the second siege of Vienna, um, but obviously Lepanto, Don Juan de Austria, you have Andreas Hofer, you have Prince Eugen, you have um, in the 19th century, um, um, one or two, like Take It Off, for example, and, and, and others, and Radetzky, generals who prayed the rosary whenever they went out to war. And the last time in Austria a war was won because of the rosary was 1955, when Austria was freed from the yoke of communism before the communists built the Iron Curtain and therefore would have fully destroyed Austrian culture, religion especially, and the people in this sector of Austria. And why did this happen? Because the Rosary Crusade for Austria, it was the Rosary Reparation Crusade, that's the name, 
Im, im led by um, um, servant of God, Peter's Pavlicic, Father Peter's Pavlicic, a Franciscan priest, was a really a saint-like priest. I really, I really like to read about his own life. It's wonderful. Typical monarchy man coming from different, as a parent from different parts of the monarchy. And he prayed every day the rosary, and then he led little processions. And he started in the 40s, he, and then in the 50s, once a year, the whole government and 10,000 of people prayed the rosary. The end of this, Austria was free from communism. All the other countries were not. We were the only country which was free, the only country. And we know why this happened. So what did we do? Since two years, we organized rosary processions, as you know. And since a few weeks, suddenly, lots of people came to us for the first time since one and a half years. And said, we also want to do this. So an action started. I was not even involved in the creation of the action. But it was, I was then, I'm now part of the team and so on. It's really great. It's called Österreich Betet, so Austria Praise. And it's a Catholic movement. It's in right now more than 150 Austrian cities in every capital city. And hundreds of people, thousands of people, 10,000 right now, because I know the numbers, it's amazing. Pray every Wednesday at 6 p.m. the rosary in a public square next to a Marian shrine, a statue of Our Lady, a big church, a nice image of Our Lady, a, a, a picture of Christ our Lord, or whatever, you know, so every, anything which refers directly to Holy Trinity, to Our Lady or to Christ, and ask God for help. And what came out of this? I can't tell you anything yet, uh, as everything yet, because there, is, there are a few things we still work on, but this had an impact of the whole, on the whole movement. So right now, we see that step by step, more and more, the Catholic faith is part of the movement in a very clear way. You see crosses, you see Bible quotes, you see priests coming there, people praying the rosary, doing this thing. It's not the majority. I do not want to make anything up. But it's a visible part of the, of the demonstration. And I know very well that this visible part was not only visible for the Catholic, but also for lots of non-believers, because since a few weeks, we have more and more people who are not Catholic joining us, praying the rosary. Just imagine this. I, would, I never expected to see this in my life. Now I see this. So this is really good. I think this is the greatest opportunity for evangelization the church has probably ever seen. I'm very interested that you said there were a number of priests there. Um, I'm hoping there were quite a few, but, but I guess we'll see. Uh, th this is a difficult time, I'm sure, for them as well. But... We really need to use this opportunity. It is an opportunity of grace. I think most of us who are given to this can see that because having fought in the pro-life movement for so long and really not seen much action, much many coming to the fore, right now we're seeing that. Uh, people are being forced to in a way. Uh, and the example of a vibrant Catholicism attracting just the multitudes who aren't Catholic and, and now end up praying the rosary, that's just... That's just beautiful. So amidst all this, diver this uh, hardship, uh, we see an incredible thing. Just to give one comment on the priest, uh, I have to tell you that sadly, the Austrian Bishops Conference uh, issued a statement where they um, um, are in favor of vaccine mandates, even though the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith said explicitly in their very widely discussed and problematic document about the, about the vaccine, the morality of the vaccine, but explicitly say in paragraph five of this, that there is a vaccine mandate is not Catholic and is not good. Pope John XXIII says in his, um, in, in his Azutica uh, Parts Interis very clearly that if 
someone tries to introduce a law and uses things like lies, wrong facts, and so on in order to introduce it. So use unjust things to introduce it. It's not a law, but it's unjust. And therefore, we have to fight it and not follow it. Leo XIII said, said the same. Thomas Aquinas is even stronger in this and says that it's that we cannot accept the law. So it's interesting to see that the Catholic teaching is, as always, 100% clear. So what did we do? We know exactly that lots of even bishops and good priests in Austria are opposed to this. So we interviewed them. We interviewed tons of them. We interviewed Cardinal Müller, by the way, who was very clear and said, no, vaccine mandates are bad. We interviewed, obviously, His Excellency Archbishop, uh, um, Auxiliary Bishop Schneider, who is, gave a fantastic statement, which really helped also uh, evangelizing people from um, the non-Catholic spheres. It was very amazing to see what, we came, what reactions we got. And then lots of good priests here in Austria as well. Lots of parish priests, lots of diocesan priests, lots of monas- uh, monks and so on. And we all asked them, we give us a statement. And all of them said, obviously that's wrong. Obviously that's wrong. So what we see here, and now I tell you the biggest joke in history, I asked the leader of the Freedom Party, I asked him for a little interview. I asked him, Mr. Herbert Kickley, what do you think, what would you tell the Catholics right now? There are many Catholics out there fighting for, you, for the cause, you fight for it as well. The bishops issued the statement, what would you tell the Catholics? And he gave an answer, he, he's a Catholic, but he's not known for being a very you know, public Catholic figure in any way. And he said, well, the problem is that the Catholic teaching, as he said, um, if he looks at Christianity, it's very clear that this, that what they're going to introduce is wrong. But if you look at the bishops, you will see that there's this disruption between the establishment and the faithful. And the ones on top, I don't like to use those terms because it's socialist um, terminology. I will try to find a nicer one in a second. The ones on top rather want to stay with the ones in power than want to stay with the, um, with, with, with the faithful. And he, you know, he's a, the leader of the right-wing party. He says this publicly, and he encouraged the Catholics to go on. So I was very happy about this, obviously, and I, I find, thank you so well. Thank you very much. But it's interesting. So everyone sees it, everyone, even people who are not very close to the church see this. And for me, the greatest example of this was that we, we organized the rosary before the demonstration, not as part of the demonstration, because I thought it's good to, to pray and to sing and to ask, uh, um, ask, ask uh, our Lord and Savior in front of the tabernacle, so where he is really present. I thought that this is very important. So we went to a church, one of the most beautiful churches of Vienna. And the rosary was packed. We expected 200 people. We had about 600 people. So it was the whole church was completely packed. And we prayed the rosary, and there's this song. It's called Schutzfrau Österreich, so our uh, lady protector of Austria. And it's a song which was... And created after um, the Rosary Reparation Crusade in the 50s. And it is a really a beautiful song. You would like the lyrics very much. And we sang this song together during the, as we said, we always prayed one decade and we sang one of the, uh, one of the um, stanzas and, and so on. And at the end of the day, it was so beautiful. We went to the demonstration, everything was wonderful. Next week, we wanted to do exactly the same. The parish priest, in this, as a, uh, it's not a parish anymore, but the priest there is very good. He's a great priest. And he called me a day before and said, I would like you to be in the, in, the, uh, in the church, but I just wanted to tell you that the, uh, that the archdiocese just told me that I'm not, uh, I, that I should pretend, uh, by the way, I don't, um, I can't give you any details right now, but he was asked to pretend 
another reason why he could not let us in the church. So the, the diocese even knew that they couldn't lock out people who pray the rosary. So they asked him to lie. Ask him to lie. That's amazing. So this priest asked me, what shall he do? And I like him very much. And he's not in a very strong position. right now. So I said, well, then we pray outside of the church. But I would like to go inside the church again. And he said, well, obviously, and you can do this. So this time we prayed outside. But you see this fight. And the priests were with us. We had priests with us and everything. And, and, and we were just playing in an, in an open Catholic church, which is open to everyone. Tourists can go inside. Alexander Chugwell, thank you so much for being with us on, uh, as we break this news. And Godspeed to you. We will pray for you. We will uh, put out your news, obviously, but we also want to get many, many uh, around the world, not only praying for you, but also advocating. As you said, go to your embassies, the Austrian embassy in your country, and urge them to allow freedom for Austrians. God bless you, Alexander. Thank you very much, Henry. Thank you for the opportunity. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to LifeSiteNews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop, even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.